The faithfulness of God was demonstrated when the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Text says that we have seen the glory of God. We have seen His glory and we have seen how He came filled with grace and truth. The fact that when God decided to reveal his faithfulness, to show that he had not forgotten his people, that he did so not with, not with an ordinary message, but with a message that had flesh and blood, with a message that, that had bone and, and muscle, the message that had a voice and that, that cried tears, the, the message that had to sleep and the message that, that had to eat. When God demonstrated his faithfulness, he sent Jesus the message. The message that says, I am here, and and I am watching, and I am listening, and I I see where you're at, and I understand what you are dealing with, and I understand all the voices that you hear, and all of the ways that you are being told to, to walk, and how you're being told to live, and God says, I've got a message for you. And it's one that I want you to get. It's one I want you to hold to. It's one I want you to follow. It's one I want you to to understand. And I want you to listen. And I want you to take everything in for this message. Because you're going to be the messengers. You're going to be the messengers that, that take the message of my faithfulness to all the world. And you're going to show people what it means to be forgivers. And you're going to show people what it means to live with power. And you're going to show people what it means to put away fear. And you're going to show people what it means to have comfort in the midst of mourning. You're going to show people what life truly is like. You're going to show people how Jesus does life. You see, that's what we've been talking about for many weeks now. This idea of life squared. The idea that Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. That you might have it abundantly. That you might have it overflowing. And we've looked at so many different aspects trying to discover on a deeper level. What is the kind of life that Jesus is bringing? What is it that God wanted to make sure that we heard? That he wanted to make sure that we we understood? And some... Ten weeks ago or so, we, we sat down and we opened up Scripture and we went all the way back to Genesis and we went back to the beginning where we found that God breathed a breath of life into His creation and at that point, a living soul was created. And we've tried to walk in that, in that text. We've tried to walk in that thought now all this time. The idea being that life is only found in God. And that no matter where you might have looked for life, no matter what your life might be like right now, that to experience life in God is to experience truly life to the full, life overflowing, life abundantly, french fries pouring out all over your tray. This is life. And if you weren't here 10 weeks ago, you have no idea what that french fry reference is. But if you were, you understand. And now God says, you go and show people how, how my son does life. Because whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. 
Now, sometimes we read that and we feel the weight and we feel the heaviness of that particular passage and think, there is no way that I could live my life, that I could walk in the footsteps of Jesus. But we've already said and we've learned that, listen, God will not call you to get out of the boat unless he truly believes that you can walk on the water. He doesn't ask you to do something just so that you can fail. He doesn't ask you to participate in something so that you can see and discover your your weakness. He's asking you to participate in the life that he gives because he knows that you and that I can actually live out life as it was intended. If we will take that task, if we will take that opportunity. And so last week, we, we came to a passage of Scripture as we started trying to, to wind down these thoughts. And we came to a point in time where Jesus goes up on a mountainside and he's going to sit down and teach. You might remember as we looked at portion of the Sermon on the Mount, we said we were going to start at the ending. And I made the comment there that I don't know why some of you go and and read a book and then go and watch the movie. Remember when we talked about this, how that, uh, you know, you're just giving it all away. You already know what happens. And then I I even was bold and told all the children in the room that they didn't need to read anymore, that all they needed to do was, was go and watch the movie. We have a lot of English teachers here in our congregation. Um, a lot of good people. And, and I had one of those good people come to me not too long after we had said amen. And just wanted to, to remind me of my words and the impact that a preacher's words have on the congregation, especially on those little ears. And I am grateful for that sweet English teacher and grateful for all of you others who contacted me during the week and told me how important it is to, to be reading and, and how would we know what God would communicate to us if we weren't going to be reading in the Word. And children, if you were listening this morning, hear the words of the preacher. Reading is good. Reading is good. And you need to be readers. And you need to be young readers. And you need to find something that you enjoy reading. And if you're looking for something that you enjoy reading, why don't you open up the Bible? And why don't you look in, I don't know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and read through the stories of Jesus because you will find the most amazing story in the world. And the great thing about it is, is that it's all true. It's not a fantasy. It's not something that is made hoping that a movie will come along afterwards. It's the story of how God revealed his faithfulness to mankind. And that message, when you read it, you'll find that that message wants to teach you. Because Jesus oftentimes would sit down and ask his disciples to come to him. And, and he would begin to, to teach You know, as a preacher, it is oftentimes difficult to to figure out what it is that that I'm going to talk about or or discuss. What is it that you say when you've got a room full of 
hundreds of people all coming from, from different backgrounds, all having had different things happen to them during the week. And, and yet they, they all are coming in some ways to, to, hear a, to hear a message and to try to come up with something week in and week out that will grab the attention of those who are, who are young, who will hold the attention of those who are older and have been there and done that and walked through that passage to be able to bring out something new that maybe someone has never seen before. I feel the weight of that. And I wonder, what is it that you, that you share that can hit everybody? And I've been told before that preaching is kind of like, I don't know, the idea of giving birth on Sunday and waking up on Monday only to find out that you're nine months pregnant. And it is that way sometimes. Knowing that Sunday is always coming. So what do you say to a people? What do you say to a people who have buried their son this week? What do you say to a people who have just said goodbye to their mother? What do you say to a people who just this last week last couple of weeks have, have lost their job and wondering what they're going to do now at this stage in their life. What, what do you say to the people who have been in children's hospital this week, praying over their newborn? What, what do you say to the people who are worried about their children and choices that their kids are making? What do you say to a people who have spent this week at the hospital and have undergone surgery and are now trying to recover and are frustrated because their body just isn't responding the way that they want it to. What do you say to a people who this has been a great week because they hung out with Bob Etheridge? What do you say to people who go through all these different things? And I bring this up because all of those different things that I just mentioned, I have talked to somebody this week who has gone through all those things. And you're here this morning. And you're watching online. So Jesus saw the crowds and he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. And he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And automatically, you know how I memorize this passage. Nobody says blessed anymore, unless they grew up reading it from the King James. And that's how you heard it. That's how it was poured into your heart. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all evil against you because of me. When Jesus sat down on the hillside, he had a crowd that came to him filled with all kinds of life stories. 
Some that maybe resembled those things that I mentioned just a few moments ago. Others things that maybe you never thought about. And the great preacher opened his mouth and he didn't begin with command. Instead, he began with blessing. Have you ever thought about that in Jesus' teaching here? Well, there's a lot of commands that run through his teachings and you get to it as you read through Matthews 5, 6, and 7 here where Matthew lays out the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, though, begins not with commands, but with blessing. Now, that's not always how I understood it. I grew up seeing something like the following on Sunday school boards. Maybe you remember this with the beehive. Remember that? You guys remember that in your Sunday school rooms, perhaps? There was something that looked like this. There was a little beehive, and there were these little bees that buzzed around, and it was your job to, to, to match, match the bees the, with their particular blessing and, and what was going to come. We learned this as the Beatitudes, right? Beatitudes, a word coming from Latin and carries the idea of happiness or to, to be happy because in that original text, original language, the, the wording there sounds similar, looks similar. The idea that, that happy is the person who is poor in spirit or, or happy is the person who mourn. And, but I learned these as these are things that I need to put into my life. That I need to be poor in spirit, and I need to mourn, and I need to, to be meek, and I need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because I want to receive the blessing. And because I want to receive the blessing, then I need to do these things. Maybe this is how you learned it as well. But there's a different aspect to this. Blessing, I guess, if you try to take the true meat of what is being talked about is approval. It's the idea that these are people who are approved by God. These are the people who that when God sees them in their state with what they're going through and what they're dealing with, that he says, there's something for you. I see your state. I see where you are in your position in life. And I want you to know that you are not forgotten that you are being seen. You see, when Jesus draws the crowd and when the preacher begins to speak, he doesn't just put out a message that he's hoping that they take notes on and he hopes that they leave with something that they can go back and stick out on their refrigerator. Instead, he goes and he talks to each of them where they are and with what they're going through right here, right now in their life. And so he looks at that first group and, and just go through and notice these blessings with me. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those of you who mourn. Blessed are you who are meek. Can you hear him speaking to you this morning? See, understand when he begins to talk he addresses the people understanding where they are right here, right now in their life. And he knew that as he looked out among the people, he had those who were poor in spirit. He knew that he had those who were hungering and thirsting for righteousness and it seemed like they were never being filled. He knew that he had those who were trying to play peacemaker in the family. 
He knew that he had people who had been beaten down time again because they were under foreign occupation. He knew he had people who were suffering and who were hurting. He knew he had people who were in the midst of the rawness of life. And he begins his message by saying, God sees where you are living right here today. And I want you to know that you are blessed. That you have the approval of God in the midst of your circumstance. You need to hear that today. That's the message that I want you to get. That no matter what circumstance you came in here with today, that God sees where you're living. And maybe they do run parallel with the things that he talked about here. Maybe you are the poor in spirit this morning. The person who you were just at the bottom emotionally in your life. And you feel like an outsider and you feel like an, an outcast. Maybe you are the one who is in mourning. And you can't cry anymore because your tears, they left you a couple of days ago. But you've spilt them over the loss of life. You've spilt them over the loss of relationship. Maybe you're the one that it seems like everybody is walking over. Maybe you're the one that is constantly longing for just one more morsel, just one more crumb from the table of God. Maybe you're the one who you're, you're constantly trying to show that forgiveness and you're being told by others that you're just being played, that you're being too soft. You're the one who's trying to put God first. You're the one who's trying to make peace. You're the one who has been made fun of at school and on the ball field. You're the one who people have said things about in your very own family because of the faith stance that you have taken. And you come here this morning in all kinds of different ways. And you need to hear from God that he sees where you're living today. He sees you right now in the job that you have and the struggles that are going on. He sees you in the job that you lost this last week. He sees you in your marriage and the things that are going great and the struggles that you're having. He sees you in your singleness and he blesses you and says, you're okay and you're not broken and you're not dysfunctional. He sees you in your divorce. He knows you're hurt. He knows the pain. And he says, you are blessed because you are the bride of Christ. He sees you in the fights and the arguments and he sees the way in which it seems like blessing has just poured out on you this last week. All the different areas that you are. God sees where you are living today. And this is why Jesus comes and says, this is life. That you may know God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Because the blessed life is knowing that I am in God's hands. Isn't that really what blessing's all about? Knowing that you have been approved by God, knowing that you are in the hands of God, that even though you might be in one of the categories that's listed here in the beginning of this lesson, that God sees you and God says, there's blessing for you.
There's approval for you. There is celebration for you. No matter where you're living today. So you're retired and you wonder what's next. God says there's blessing. You're sick and you're wondering, is this going to go away? And God says there's blessing. And you've sat in the funeral homes and you have stood by the open grave and God says there's blessing. And you wonder if it's worth being faithful. You wonder if it's worth keeping a pure heart and God says there's blessing for you. You wonder if anyone will ever show you mercy, if anybody will ever forgive you, if there's ever going to be life beyond the sin, beyond all the unfaithfulness, and God says, there's blessing for you because I see where you live. You're trying to hold things together. You're trying to be the rock. You've got all this pressure on you that's building up, and you wonder, does anybody see that the blessed life is knowing that I am in God's hand? in good times and in bad. And so when Jesus finishes, it says the crowd was amazed at his teaching because he taught with one who had authority. They left thinking, you know what? Maybe I am blessed. Maybe I do have that power, Bob. Maybe I don't have to be afraid. Maybe there is life for me. Maybe there is comfort for me in the midst of my pain. Maybe there is righteousness waiting. Maybe there is going to be mercy. Maybe there is going to be a filling that will come. Maybe, just maybe, there is life after this stage that I'm in right now. And it's a life that is filled with God. They'd heard the other voices. They'd heard the other teachers of the law. How they had tried to expound on Scripture and say, this is what God says and this is what God wants. And Jesus comes and says, this is who God is. And he blesses his people. Blesses his people. For many of the Jewish faith, that blessing is something that is still very real. It's not uncommon on Friday evening just before Sabbath. For Jewish families to bring in their children and to impart to them a blessing. A particular blessing that would come from words taken from Numbers chapter 6, beginning in verse 24. The introduction was altered depending on if it's a boy or a girl, but it would sound something like this. For the boys, may you be like Ephraim or Menashe. For the girls, may you be like Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. And then the rest of the blessing would say, may God bless you and guard you. May God show you favor and be gracious to you. May God show you kindness and grant you peace. In different homes, it's performed in different ways. The more traditional homes, the father will be the one who presents the blessing. Other homes, it's the father and mother. Oftentimes, they will place their hands upon the head of their children as they begin to recite the blessing, starting from oldest and working their way all the way down to the least. After the blessing, some parents take a moment to, to whisper something into their child's ear, a, a praise for him or for her, something that they did this last week that was encouragement, something that they needed to hear that was, that was love. 
And at the end of the blessing, more often than not, it always ends with a hug or a kiss, a touch to remind the one who is being blessed that they are cared for. So Jesus comes and says, all you who are weary and burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. The yoke was the the teaching of the rabbis, of the spiritual teachers of that day. Their collection of messages were known as their yoke. He says, take my yoke, my teaching upon you. And learn from from me, for I am gentle and humble. And he says, you will finally find rest. For 10 weeks, we've been talking about life squared. Maybe what you need this morning more than anything is to feel blessed by God. Right here where you live. Right here in the midst of the joy and the heartache. Right here in the midst of the success and the failure. Right here in the midst of the fear and the power. Right here in the midst, somewhere between the altar and the door. To know that you are blessed by God. Because that's what life is about knowing that God sees me right where I live and offers his love to me. We're going to sing to encourage each other a song that's called All to Jesus I Surrender. So why don't you come to him? Why don't you come and feel him give you that blessing? And surrender it all. And pour out what's been going on in your family and pour out what's going on at the workplace. Pour out your fears about school. Pour out your concerns within the church community. Pour out wherever it is that you're in life today. And hear the blessing of God. Maybe you want to be baptized into Christ this morning because you have heard the message. And as we said last week, you just listen and do. And you want to surrender yourself over to Jesus and you want to have his life truly living through you so that you can become that message. Why don't you surrender? Hear God say, blessed, as we stand and sing.